0: Now, this is a big deal because people are going into tax filing season with uh, some
1: questions about what what we're going to do here at the legislature.
0: Welcome to the Political Notebook podcast. I'm Billy Robb. I'm a high school teacher.
1: And I'm Robert Robb, an editorial columnist for the Arizona Republic and Billy's dad.
0: It's about a month in the legislative session here in Arizona. We're going to talk about uh, a few of the bills being discussed and and the theme, how they, how they work together, starting with the conundrum we face right now with with taxes, and as a teacher, my taxes usually aren't very complicated, uh, but I'll do my best to lay out the situation here at Arizona, and then you can add in the wonky details, and then <laughs> <clears throat> we'll talk about the politics, what, uh, what this all means and, uh, down at the legislature. Uh, and the whole issue with taxes here starts with the fact that the tax cut at the federal level has eliminated certain tax deductions. And normally, our state tries to conform with the federal tax code to make things simple. But this year, conforming with the deductions would actually cause an increase in tax revenue here in Arizona. So if we accept this conformity, we bring in more money. And our governor, uh, Doug Ducey, wants to do this and pocket the money. Republican lawmakers, though, uh, they want to conform, but they also want to cut taxes so that it's revenue neutral, no tax increase. And Democrats want to conform like Ducey and and spend the money rather than rather than keep it. So, um, <clears throat> if we don't conform to the federal rate, our taxes will be way more complicated. And on top of that, it's already tax season, and 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 <laughs> uh, <clears throat> the forms assuming conformity have already been uh, printed up and ready to go. So. I mean, as of right now, what should people be doing with their with their taxes?
1: Um, talking to their accountant and praying, I, I guess. My understanding is that uh, most accountants are advising their clients um, to not file their state returns uh, or file an extension on their state income taxes until uh, this mess, which I must Say um, primarily is the responsibility of Governor Doug Ducey and his unwillingness to address this issue much earlier um, is resolved one way or another. And the th- and the theme that will come out of uh,
0: some of these bills working together is a is a rift between the governor, who's a Republican, and the Republican lawmakers on this issue. And you've written pretty harshly about this even way back, um, way back when it was a lot more boring than it is now. <laughs> Um, now it's kind of interesting because it's uh, it's affecting everyone's taxes and it's leading to this whole conflict between between the legislature and even we're hearing talks about maybe the governor having to align with Democrats to get the eventual budget done. So it's, the rift is is very interesting, but it starts out with something that's very boring. You know, why didn't this get done earlier? You've been you've been critical about uh, Doug Ducey not taking an earlier initiative to do this. Um, why, why is this such a conflict right
1: now? (laughs) I, I think it was political calculation by the governor. Um, this issue presents for a Republican governor, um, uncomfortable choices. Um, so if we conform, you have to decide whether you're going to pocket the windfall, or whether you're going to in some way give it back to taxpayers. And I think that was an issue that the governor did not want to directly confront uh, before his re-election um, last November. Whatever you decide is going to make someone upset they're not doing the other I, thing. I think he didn't want to say he wanted to pocket the windfall and be accused of increasing taxes. And I don't think he wanted to own a Back in rates um, and fall into the criticism that um, he's that's been directed his way that uh, he wants to cut taxes. I mean, at one point in time, he actually did. But uh, Republicans in the legislature passed a bill um, that would have conformed, so it would have broadened the income tax base but then would have just minorly for one year rolled back re- rates to approximate uh, what uh, the legislative budget staff estimates uh, would be the windfall to the state, about $155 million. The governor vetoed uh, that legislation um, and then went on a Donald Trump-like Twitter rant. <coughs> uh, so. <laughs> Republicans, um, led by J.D. Mesnard, the Senate Finance Chairman, um, are now uh, trying to pass Plan B, which wouldn't roll back the rates but wouldn't conform on some of the big ticket items that increases the windfall to the state. Um, The governor has said he wants this dealt with as part of the budget negotiations. The problem is the budget may not be settled until tax filing season is over. Uh, And uh, an awful lot of Republicans would have a hard time supporting a budget which increases income taxes by a projected $155 million.
0: So in terms of the practical part of that here in Arizona, you'd have people that are paying taxes, assuming conformity, Let's say that Plan B passes and certain items aren't conformed. What does that mean? I mean, assuming some people are going to defer their taxes to later, but those that are that are paying, what would they have to do then if they, they file their taxes under the current understanding right now, but then in three months, four months, that turns out to have changed?
1: Well, if Plan B were to pass, uh, then people who have filed their taxes um, and have large itemized deductions would probably have to refile. Um, if nothing happens, then the forms are basically useless for everybody.
0: If no, uh, if no conformity If no happens.
1: conformity passes, then uh, basically the Department of Revenue has to reinvent um, the federal tax code Um, before the Trump tax cuts. And the legislative budget staff has identified 50 items uh, where Arizona is now out of conformity with the federal tax laws. Um, Mesnard's Plan B would simply take six of those and not conform. So you would have conformity on 44. uh, And it would basically affect people who have large itemized deductions, mostly the affluent. But if there is no conformity, then you have all 50 um, items uh, where current tax forms are inaccurate. It's just frankly a little bit unbelievable that the Department of Revenue would issue uh, tax forms that didn't conform, didn't comply with existing tax law. I, I don't even know where they get the legal authority to do that
0: for the for the Republican lawmakers, it doesn't look like they have any willingness or incentive to budge on giving Ducey what he wants. Would you agree with that, or do you think it's possible that continuing to muscle and tweet and you know strong arm is that going to possibly make the Republicans if bend to? provide the, the conformity and, and pocket the money?
1: It, if it gets down to the last minute uh, and part of budget deliberations, my guess is is that the Republican caucus would split, uh, that some members would go along with what Ducey wants, uh, which is to conform, uh, accept the windfall, put the windfall in the rainy day fund. Uh, but a large number of Republicans would never agree to that kind of a tax increase so then you've got the budget politics of um, how do you cobble together enough votes to pass a budget because as you mentioned the democrats want to accept the windfall but want to spend it not Uh put it in the rainy day fund so where you would find a majority in both the Senate and the House, in when you've got a large number of Republicans opting out because of the tax increase, is entirely unclear. And there are other um, substantial disagreements in terms of Ducey's budget priorities um, that are appearing in the legislature and making some kind of progress.
0: Is there any incentive and reason why Ducey would give up on his insistence that that money goes into... A savings account rather than say okay fine um
1: Deuce, let's let's halfway conform or Ducey should accept Mesnard's plan b one of his objections and it was a valid one of plan a was that while the legislative budget staff has come up with an estimate of what the windfall would be there's a huge amount of uncertainty in that so Ducey was saying we shouldn't rollback tax rates based upon guessing on what the windfall would be. Well, plan B eliminates the guesswork. Instead of guessing how much the windfall would be, uh, plan B simply says, well, we're not going to make the changes that would produce the windfall. So there's no guesstimate. There's there's no uncertainty in it. Um, if Plan B were to pass the legislature, given where we are, the responsible thing for Ducey to do would be to sign it since his main objection um, is avoided uh, with Plan B. He does not appear prepared, at least at this point, to give any indication that he would be willing to do that. Um, He's still insisting that you accept the windfall um, and you put it in the Rainy Day Fund. And um, the one remaining objection he has is that it would mean that the forms that his Department of Revenue, um, wrongly in my judgment, put out would have to be amended and corrected. And and he has said he won't accept anything that invalidates those forms. So it seems
0: like... The political dynamics have changed, perhaps in the last few years. Uh, maybe in the last, maybe a couple of years ago, the state legislature would um, kind of defer, and, and Ducey would get what he wants. Is this a new dynamic, or is this just particular
1: to this specific situation? It's unclear. Um, as I said, there's other. Um, different budget priorities uh, that the republican legislature is currently advancing the governor wants to take most of the billion dollar plus surplus and put it into the rainy day fund um a bill that instead uses some of that money to pay back um deferred payments to k through 12 schools that were made as a accounting gimmick um in the effort to cope with the recession. Uh, There's people who believe that we ought to pay some of that back, both to improve cash flow uh, for the schools, but also to create capacity to do the same thing if there's another downturn. There's a bill moving which would um, use up some of the surplus by substantially increasing appropriations to the state universities. Um,
0: And these are, are, things that Republicans are advancing that, Re- that Republicans
1: are advancing in both of those cases. It also got democratic support. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> if you get to the point where you gotta get Republicans and Democrats together, the other major item, uh, relates to the, um, car highway safety, um, fee that was passed last year. So the,
0: the tax that was not a tax, which is, uh, to, uh, an additional, I think, thirty-two dollars safety fee per vehicle. per vehicle on on registration um, that has angered a lot of uh, Republican
1: lawmakers as well, and they're pushing to repeal it. Well, it, it's it mostly angered the motoring public <laughs> that's having to pay it, uh, and a a repeal uh, has passed the Arizona Senate um, by a veto proof majority. The governor has indicated he wants to keep the fee in place. So you've got a lot of things that are suggesting um, a different set of priorities and in some cases an actual political rift between the governor and Republican lawmakers And different budget priorities, uh, not only by Republicans vis-a-vis the governor, but by Democrats vis-a-vis the governor.
0: And you've written about this before and we talked about it on uh, one of our last episodes, which is the uh, proposed sales tax increase that would go to fund uh, public schools. Uh, being advanced by uh, Kate Brophy McGee and, and Sylvia Allen in the Senate, both Republicans, uh, and also Michelle Udall in the House. You've written that you don't like that as much because it gives money to the to the universities as well, and the colleges, and you think that the tax, if we do a tax increase, it should just go through uh, K through 12. Uh, what's the status on that? Does that look like it's it's going to go and and go to the voters, uh, even
1: though, again, uh, Governor Ducey does not support a tax increase? It it is unclear. It's significant that those three key lawmakers have now reached agreement. Um, There is opposition to it among Republicans uh, who are opposed to a tax increase, and among Democrats who don't like the sales tax because it's a regressive tax. Whether there will, at the end of the day, be sufficient votes this legislative session to refer it, given that it can be referred next year and will appear on the same ballot. A a year's delay doesn't really affect when the schools and the universities would get the money. But it does suggest, given the large number of Republicans who actually support this proposal, uh, not only those three key legislators, but the president, the Republican president of the Arizona Senate uh, is supportive. Uh, It does indicate another rift between Mm -hmm. some Republican lawmakers and the governor who has said he's opposed to any uh, tax increase, that we can restore funding sufficiently at a sufficient rate um, with existing tax rates.
0: And one of the other big arguments for in favor of this tax increase, the sales tax, is that if you don't do it, the progressive groups are going to come back with the income tax hike, and that that's going to be more popular, written written better, so that it could it could uh, uh, get all the way to the ballot. And so, it, if you don't pass this, you're going to have a significantly increased chance of of seeing a an income tax hike that people aren't going to like. Given or the Republicans cool, aren't going to like.
1: Given the cool reception. Um, that's been given to the Republican proposals uh, in education circles, um, K through 12 education circles, specifically the um, Arizona Education Association um, and outside groups uh, and given the fact that this doesn't produce a whole lot of additional money uh, for K through k12 schools because of the large, amount of the increase that's dedicated to the universities um, i think even if this is referred uh, you're, uh, you you have some substantial likelihood that there will be a competing ballot measure that uh, will raise more money for k-12 education uh, and do so through income taxes or property taxes. So that,
0: so you th- you, your prediction is that this wouldn't be enough to keep that income tax med- ballot measure from coming either way?
1: I, I don't know that, it, that I feel clear enough about it to call it a prediction. But it's uh, definitely but, not but, a but I done deal that I, it wouldn't happen. Absolutely. I, I think that there's still a substantial risk of that happening. And it'd be
0: interesting to see whether they campaign for it or or against it. If that was the only standalone thing, it's kind of like, well, uh, gonna have to choose your your priorities there. If, if that initiative w- was on there, would those just be competing? And if they both pass, they'd both you'd have you have multiple tax increases in the same one.
1: Well, that would be an interesting legal question. If if two ballot measures are in conflict and they both pass then the one which gets the most votes prevail um, where they are in conflict. That's the legal principle. But these two might not be in conflict. Um, So, indeed, there might be a double dip for education (laughs) if both of them passed. That
0: would be interesting.
1: Well, let's finish with this question.
0: We missed uh, Arizona's birthday by a few days. Last year we did a a podcast episode uh, on... Uh, on or near Arizona's birthday, which was uh, it's on Valentine's Day, the, the statehood day, 107 years ago. And last time we talked about uh, a couple leaders that we saw as emblematic of of Arizona. Uh, we talked about Alfredo Gutierrez, uh, John Kyle, Jerry Colangelo, and Lou Whitesman. Do you see any? So my question is for this year. Do you see any um, leaders emerging right now, or or uh, any strong leaders that have any of these qualities that are symbolic of of Arizona and and the kind of positive leadership that comes out of Arizona?
1: It may be because I'm getting old, and the old times and the old timers were always better. Um, but but I do think that our Quality of political leadership um, in the state is much lower than it has been um, through uh, all of my forty-plus years of observing. Uh, the two potentials that I think we have to join those kind of ranks um, are our two U.S. senators. I uh, Kirsten Cinema and Martha McSally. Uh, have good political leadership skills uh, and uh, tremendous upside potential. It's it's yet to be manifest. It's yet to be realized. But in terms of people who would have the chance of joining those ranks, uh, those would be the two that I see on the horizon.
0: We'll see if uh, and John Gabriel. Well, what recently-
1: about you? What, what, um, uh, yeah, I don't see a lot of good. I don't see a
0: lot of strong leadership right now, and I think I, I think everyone's kind of fence sitting a lot on a lot of things, and I, and it's it's it shows up, and I think it shows up in decisive ways. Like for example, the the national emergency that Trump declared. I mean, what what a what a time for those two, you know, and Maverick Arizona leaders to to make a stand and stand up for the Senate, but that but that you know, maybe they're picking and choosing their, their spots. Um, you know, I think the, the revenue situation in Arizona, uh, not seeing a whole lot of political leadership, uh, on that front, I guess the sales tax, uh, um, the senators are coming strong with the sales tax, but in terms of, you know, I don't know. It's, I think, uh, it's not just the old timer in you that, that <laughs> sees the, the lack of leadership, but I, I, I hope that those, that those two, our two senators, uh, can emerge and fulfill your, your prophecy for them. But Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. This is the Political Notebook podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.